And as great as that was during my break, there's some people in this room that had a much, much better time off this past week. As a matter of fact, let me acknowledge just a couple in the room. Evelyn, where you at? Evelyn, why don't you stand for me? Robs, David, why don't you guys stand for me? Gio, why don't you come over here? Yeah, why don't you guys come up to the front? Why don't you come up to the front here? Hey, guys, I just want to give honor where honor is due and celebrate the fact that these two couples, along with Haley and Edwin, who could not be here tonight, are officially engaged. They asked each other, these gentlemen asked these ladies uh, if they would be crazy enough to say yes, and they did. And so, and then obviously Edwin and Haley, like I said, Haley couldn't be here. She's not feeling well, and we are in the better safe than sorry policy here. And so do me a favor real quick. Would you guys just extend your hands out towards them? We want to pray a special prayer of blessing. We want to make sure that God covers them and all the plans that are coming up. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this precious couple, God. We thank you for David and Robs. We thank you for Gio and Evelyn, for Edwin and Haley, God. Father God, we pray that your hand will be upon them in these next few months. Lord, as all the plans that they're coming together with are anointed by your presence. God, I just pray that you would protect them, God. We thank you for the life that they live. We thank you for the example that they give. God, we thank you that they've carried themselves in such a way in their dating relationship that it can be modeled for the people in this room, God. We thank you for that, Lord, and we pray, may they continue to model that, God, in their marriage and in their life. Father, I pray that these husbands would love their wives as you love the church, and Lord, these wives would honor their husbands as you have called them to honor them, God. Lord, we pray that your hand will be over them, that there would be a hedge of protection around their heart, mind, and soul, that you would carry them all the way through, God, and that this would not be the end of something, but the beginning of the next chapter of their lives, oh God. So we thank you for that. We pray for all the provisions and everything to be taken care of and good food at receptions. We pray it all in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, guys, give it up real quick for these couples. Thank you, guys. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. <laughs> hey, so let me just tell you, as a, as a pastor, uh, knowing these guys for so many years, it's been a great joy. I, and I remember doing Evelyn's Quinceanera. Gio was here when he was just a sixth grader. Uh, Edwin, I went to his eighth grade graduation, high school graduation, and so I'm graduate college. I mean, it's kind of cool to see people go through this whole maturation. And the other part is I got to be, for almost all of them, uh, kind of a, a helpmate, if I can say so, or, or just a, a soundboard in the process of their relationship whenever they had questions or thoughts or just, you know, little things trying to figure out how to date well. Because how many know you can date somebody and not date well, right? And so they would ask these questions, and here's what I always say to anybody who's in a relationship, and if you're in a relationship, hey, listen, this is free advice, but I think it's important. Because a lot of people put priority on things that don't need to be priorities, like we were just talking about smell. Some of you think, well, as long as I smell good, I'm going to be a good boyfriend, I'm going to be a good girlfriend. And it's like, meh, that's all right. I've, I've smelled my wife's worsts, and I still love her, right? So smell is not all of it. Uh, some of us think, well, I just got to look good, and I got to wear the best clothes, and I got to impress them. And it's like, meh, that's, that's an initial thing, but it's not a lasting thing. If you want a lasting relationship, not just romantic, but any kind of relationship, you better figure out how to talk to people. Communication is the absolute key and bedrock to any relationship in the world. The relationship with your parents, the relationship with your friends, the relationship with your siblings, your relationship with the person that you're attracted to. If you cannot figure out how to talk to somebody, that relationship will never last. 
Okay, think about it just in a practical sense. Think about people that you were really, really close to, people that were like your best friends, and, and, and in some situations, nothing bad ever happened, but you're not close to them anymore. And it's not because you had a fight, and it's not because they, they hooked up with your ex, and it's not because of any other weird reason. It's only because you stopped talking. Just like, hey, how come, have you heard from so-and-so? No, I haven't even talked to him like in a couple of years. Oh, did they do something? No, we just fell out of touch. And it happens. You know, you transfer schools, you go to a new school from grammar school. Like just stuff happens where they're not in your day-to-day world. Even some of you who are starting to get jobs, you might have really good friends at the job, but then you leave the job and you don't ever hear from that person again. And it's not nothing bad. They didn't do anything bad. But when you stop communication or when you have poor communication, you're going to end up with little to no relationship. And so part of what I'm trying to talk to in these couples as as we continue to go through it, and I emphasize even more, communication, transparency, this is huge. It's the key to what we describe as intimacy. Intimacy is often thought of as a a, a word only for the bedroom, but but intimacy is the closeness that comes based on communication. I've said this before at Excel, but if you're new, you might want to understand this. The easiest way to remember intimacy is allowing someone, right, to see into you. It's into me you see. I'm letting you come in and see what's inside of me. And the only way to really do that is to talk to people, is to open up to people. Now, I love technology, and I love everything that technology offers and does, but one of the hardest things about technology is it's kind of handicapped us a little bit when it comes to actually talking to human beings in real life. Because you can sit there and text each other, like you can be right next to each other and have have talks, and that's a, a form of communication, but it's not a substitute for actually sitting there and having a back and forth dialogue. Now, why am I saying all that? Because I need you to understand that if you're ever going to have a strong, growing, thriving relationship with God, you got to learn to communicate with him. If you can't learn to have a communicative relationship with the Lord, you will never have a personal relationship with the Lord. It'll always be a relationship through someone else. And what do I mean by that? Like, if you know me, you might have access to my best friend, But that doesn't mean you know my best friend. You know me who knows my best friend. Some of you, your relationship with God will always be limited to your pastor, to your leader, to your mom and dad. It's limited because it's their relationship with God and you live vicariously through it. In other words, you don't really know God. You know people who know God and you hear about God through those people. But if you don't ever actually have your own personal relationship in which you communicate with God and you allow God to communicate with you, if you don't have that, then you don't have him. You don't have a real relationship with God. The the whole purpose of Jesus Christ dying on the cross, the Bible says that the veil was torn. There was literally a giant curtain that blocked the presence of God from people. And when the Bible says that the veil was torn, it was symbolic and literal for saying there is no longer a barrier between you and God. You could talk to him and he listens. And you can listen, and he'll talk to you. And this is why we emphasize so much the power of prayer. This is where prayer is so vital and huge, because contrary to popular belief, prayer is not just sitting there asking God for things. If you had a relationship with someone, and we all do, I think, right? You got that person in your life who only ever calls you when they need something, who only ever hits you up when they need a favor, And you even roll your eyes. As soon as you see your phone, you're like, oh, they probably need something. 
Like, I make it a point to randomly hit up friends of mine. To just be like, hey man, just want to let you know I love you. Just thinking, you know, you came across. If someone comes across my mind, I just try to hit them up. Hey man, just thought about you. Hope everything's good. Why? Because I don't want the only times I talk to them to be when I need something. And we roll our eyes, we get frustrated, we get annoyed because we're like, God, you're just using me. You don't care about me. You don't have a relationship with me. You didn't call me when my mom was sick and struggling. Like, you only want me so I could do stuff for you. Well, what do you think God feels like? When, when God is put in this glass case that breaks in case of emergency, right? You only pull him out of that case when you need something. And then you put him right back on the shelf when he's done giving you what you want. So, so our prayer life oftentimes is relegated to emergencies, right? When someone's in the hospital, oh, can you pray? I need to pray because, you know, someone I'm close to got COVID or, or somebody's trying, we need to pray. We always need to pray, but now all of a sudden it's important to you. And the, the, the messed up part is God will still listen to you. God's not going to turn his back on you just because you haven't been talking to him. But that doesn't mean it's not messed up. And that doesn't mean it doesn't hurt your relationship with God. I found this quote that I shared with some of the leaders earlier from an author that I like named Oswald Chambers. It says this, we look upon prayer as a means of getting things for ourselves. The Bible's idea of prayer is that we may get to know God himself. See, prayer is not about getting things from God. It's about getting to God. It's about getting to know God and allowing God to get to know you. Obviously, he knows you already to the umph degree, but it's something different when you know that they know. Uh, let me give it to you like this. When I first started dating my wife, it was kind of awkward because I would tell her like stories, like as, you know, just getting to know each other. Oh yeah, it's like this one time. And every time I tell a story, she'd go, yeah, I know that. And it felt really awkward because I'm like, uh, I ain't never told you that. <laughs> How you know that about my life? And then I realized because she would sit at Excel as a leader and she heard all my stories. And so whenever I tried to talk to her, it was weird because she knew me. But here's the thing. I didn't know her. And it's different when she hears a story from me. And so we start creating this dialogue. When a, a, Here's the thing. A lot of our conversations with God are monologues. Mono, one. Me talking to God and asking for things. When God wants dialogue, dia, two. I talk to God. God talks back to me. This is a relationship. And so this is where prayer comes in. This is where prayer is vital. And so I, I really want to hammer in tonight on Sunday. Pastor's going to be challenging us to fast for the next 21 days. Uh, if you don't know what fasting is, fasting is denying food and just drinking water throughout the day and dedicating that time to prayer. I'm not going to ask you guys to do that just because I don't know if you got any health conditions or if something's going on. And I don't want your mom slapping me because you're not eating breakfast. And so, but I do want to emphasize prayer because nobody's stopping you from doing that. And so I want to focus in on the book of Daniel. If you have your Bibles, you can write this down and look it up later to make sure Pastor Joey's not a big liar. But I want you to look at the book of Daniel. And I'm going to read through a few verses, beginning in verse 2 and 3. It says, when this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been in mourning for three whole weeks. All that time, I had no rich food, no meat or wine crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. So for three weeks, he's praying, he's pushing in, he's denying any kind of personal pleasures to focus in on his prayer. And then in verse 9, it says, I looked up and I saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold wrapped around his waist. His body looked like a precious gem. His face flashed like lightning and his eyes flamed like torches. His arms and feet shone like polished bronze and his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. 
Woo, that's a bad dude right there, okay? To, to talk and sound like you're speaking through a speaker is just intense. And then it goes on to say, only I, Daniel, saw this vision. The men with me saw nothing, but they were suddenly terrified and ran away to hide. So I was left there all alone to see this amazing vision. My strength left me. My face grew deathly pale, and I felt very weak. Then I heard the man speak. And when I heard the sound of his voice, I fainted and lay there with my face on the ground. And then let's focus in. This is where I really want to hone in, verses 12 through 14. Then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your requests had been heard in heaven. I have come to answer to you uh, as an answer to your prayer, but for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia, this is talking about dark force, I'll get into that in a second, blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now I am here to explain what will happen to your people in the future, for this vision concerns a time yet to come. There's this thing we describe as the spiritual realm. Maybe it's a little bit easier to understand now that you're seeing all this multiverse stuff in, in the MCU. It's not quite that. It's not string theory on that. But it's a spiritual realm. It's things that happen in the spiritual realm, right? And so one of those things that's happening when we pray and it goes through that spiritual realm, there's an answer. And that's where angels exist. That's where that whole demons exist. They exist in the spiritual realm. And so what's going on here is Daniel's been praying for three weeks. And he's not getting an answer. Three weeks, he's not hearing anything. But just because he's not hearing an answer doesn't mean there's no action. There is action going on in the spiritual realm. There is literally an epic battle going on between the angel Gabriel and the spirit of the king of Persia, which we don't know exactly if it's Satan or a demonic force, but it's opposing what God is trying to do as far as sending a messenger. And then it's super cool because Gabriel, he's kind of like, I mean, he looks hardcore, but he's usually the messenger. Like anytime you see Gabriel pop up in the Bible, he's delivering a message. But Michael is like the Navy SEAL, head general. I'm going to come and clap. I'm just going to destroy people. So when Michael showed up, he's like, I got this, Gabriel. Go on and send a message, right? So just this has nothing to do with my message. I just think it's so dope. I just think the imagery of this and the understanding of what's happening, like you think you're just sitting there praying in your closet all quiet and nothing's going on. And you are literally kicking off battles in the spiritual realm in response to your prayer. And so here's this whole thing is going down and there's a few lessons that I think we need to learn from Daniel's prayer that are gonna help us in our communication with God. And if you're taking notes, the first thing is this. We need to learn to have patient prayer. Patient prayer. Whew. Some of us struggle with being patient. We like instant, okay? And, and, and it's not your fault. Like everything you have now is instant, Right? Like, if you want to hear a song, you just pull it up. Like, instantly, just pull it up. And within nanoseconds, the song that you want to hear, any song that's ever existed, you can just play it on your phone. And I'm just thinking back to, like, when Pastor Jason and I were your age, and, and we'd have to get these, like, illegal LimeWire and Napster, and it would literally take 27 hours to download one song, and you would hope that it was a song you thought it was, and then you finally, after 27 hours and hogging up the phone line for everything, 
You play that song and it's this messed up, jacked up recording. You're like, oh, that song doesn't work. And then you spend another 47 hours trying to get a song. So we had to wait, y'all. Like we just, we just sat there like, oh, I can't wait for tomorrow, man. I got about three songs coming this week. Ooh, man, I'm gonna listen to all of them. But now you get everything instant. So when God doesn't deliver instantly, we get frustrated. We get frustrated and we move on. Well, God, you didn't answer. I'm going to move on. But listen, Daniel prayed for three weeks straight before he got an answer. Every day he got up and he prayed, no answer. He got up and he prayed, no answer. He got up and he prayed, no answer. And for some of us, that's too difficult. For some of us, we try something two, three times. It's like, yeah, I'm done. I'm not even going to try that anymore. We're so quick to move on that we move on from God without understanding what God is doing or what's happening in the spiritual realm. Because, see, God's timing is always going to be perfect. I mean, God could have took that demon out with just one word and sped Gabriel up, but God had timing going on for a reason. And sometimes we don't get to know the reason. Sometimes I think even if God gave us the reason, our nose would bleed and our head would explode because we just can't comprehend the kinds of things that God can comprehend. And yet, I think a lot of times, one of the most basic reasons is to learn patience. To learn that God is not a genie you rub and he pops out whenever you want him to. Listen, I'm, I'm getting this now more and more as a dad. There are times where, where my daughter is screaming for me. And I'll say, I'm coming. Give me a minute. Poppy! Wait. Poppy! Wait. <laughs> now, here's the truth. I could go, but I don't want her to get used to every time she screams at me like I'm her butler. Yes, sweetie. <laughs> what do you want? Fries. No, I'm not getting you fries right now, right? Because what's going to happen is I'm going to create a really bad habit in my daughter that every time she wants something, if I answer immediately, if, if I make her think that I'm working on her timetable, then the rest of my life I'm going to have to work on her timetable. She got to learn I'm poppy, not you. You wait on me, I don't wait on you, right? When I say come, you come, not the other way around. So I, we know that because some of y'all grew up in that way, right? Like you, I don't know if you're like me, but as a kid, whenever your mom or dad would call, you ever do this thing where they're in the other room, they call you, you say, what? And then you don't hear nothing, and you're like, <laughs> what happened? And then they look at you, why'd you say what? You don't say what to me. You come over here when I call you. Okay, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Where's the control? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, maybe in the couch. Find it. It's right there. Thank you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what are they trying to teach you? They're trying to teach you who's in charge, that you're not in charge. Well, why do we treat God like we're in charge? Like, God, I asked you that, and you didn't give it to me exactly when I asked you. Next time, I expect better service, Lord. Next time, I expect you to put a little hustle into it, God. But that's not how it should be, right? Can you, can you imagine if you stood before the Lord and you said that? Hey, God, I appreciate what you did, but next time, let's hurry it up a little bit, right? I got stuff to do. Listen, Psalm 37, verse 7 says it like this. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways when they carry out their wicked schemes. Let me leave that up there for a second. Because here's what happens. The Bible is telling us to wait patiently for him. And I like this part. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways. So here's what happens. We're waiting on God, 
And then we see other people who don't have a relationship with God and don't lean on God and don't trust in God. And they seem to be getting ahead in the thing that you're trying to do. And there's this temptation to say, well, they don't need God to do it, so I don't need God to do it. I'm going to figure it out. There's this temptation when you're waiting on the Lord to start to take things into your own hands and just do it yourself. And just say, hey, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I used to hate that when uh, there were times when my mom would ask me to do something, and I'm not even in the house yet. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to take care of it. And then I'm planning to take care of it. I get home. She did it. And then she's mad at me because she had to do it. And I'm like, I, I was going to do it. You just, I wasn't even here. Like, I was going to do it, mom. You just need to. It's like, well, I needed it done now. And we do that to God. Or God's like, I was going to do it, and I was going to do it better than you did it. But now you got to live with what you did just because you're not patient. Patience, it's not easy. And growing in patience is even worse because in order to grow in it, you're going to have to be put in situations where you got to be patient. But if we can learn to pray patiently, to understand that there's something that's going on even in the process of waiting, of learning to trust God in his timing, of learning that God is the one in authority and not me, of learning humility and grace and mercy, of learning that God's answer to your prayer doesn't always have to be yes. Because too often we give God our prayer with directions on how to answer it. When prayer is not about getting God to do things for you, it's about getting into God's will so that he does things that are right by him and those things tend to benefit you. We need to learn to have patience in prayer, and I'm telling you, that's a hard lesson. But part of where you need to take that lesson is to learn to have private prayer. If you're taking notes, that's the second thing. Notice that Daniel, uh, if you look at the life of Daniel, oftentimes, every day, he would have private prayer in his room. But even in this instance, when the Lord comes to him with the response, when this majestic, powerful angel named Gabriel shows up on the scene, did you pick up on the fact that he said no one else in my group saw him? They recognized his presence because they ran and they hid, but they didn't see him. Why? Because this is a private conversation. This is a personal thing between Daniel and the Lord. Only Daniel saw the vision because it was meant for Daniel to share it. When you learn to have a private prayer life, what does that mean? It means what it sounds like. To get alone in your room, and I'm telling you, I know some of y'all, you got like 77 people living in your house and there's no such thing as privacy and you can never get alone. Hey, pray in the shower. Shower prayers are powerful, man. No one knows you're crying because the water helps you out. I've had some weepathons in the shower and I just pray and I got the music blaring so nobody knows I'm bawling and crying. Uh, pray, you know, you know, while you're on the toilet, they just think you're trying to get it out, but you are crying out to God. Pray wherever you can get some privacy. Pray on your way to school for those of you who start going back to school. I used to love to have prayer time while I waited for the bus. What else am I doing? I'm just waiting there. Pray in the car ride. Pray on the walk. Pray every time you get a chance. But learn to have private time in prayer. I used to love to just walk in the park and just pray quietly in the park. My prayer time now is in the car. Because it's the only time I'm by myself. Now, I'm not driving half the time. I'm just, I sit there, especially now while the car's warming up, and I pray. And because my two-year-old's not crawling on my lap, my baby's not crying, my wife's not looking at me to give her a hand, I'm, I'm just there. And it's just me and the Lord. And there's something powerful about learning to have a private conversation. Because, again, let me give you more practical understanding. 
You ever had like a, a real serious talk you had to have with somebody? Could be just like your best friend about something that you don't want everybody else knowing about. And what do you do? You say, hey, can I talk to you real quick? And you pull them off to the side. Why? Because you're looking for privacy. And then somebody comes along, you're like, hey, give me like five minutes. I just want to talk to them about something. What are you saying? I don't want any distractions, and I don't want anybody nosy. I just want to talk to God right now. I just want to talk to you. When you learn to have these powerful private moments with the Lord is really when you start to learn what the Lord sounds like and what it means to have intimacy with God. Listen, Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 through 6 says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. It's not about showing off. It's not about, you know, looking good. It's about spending time alone. And here's, again, I'm just going to be bold in saying this. I can, I can tell often who has a good private prayer life and who doesn't by how they pray publicly. Because when you're enabling, it's not everybody. Some people just have a fear of praying publicly. I get that. But a lot of times when someone prays publicly, it sounds like they've never talked to God before. It's because they never talked to God before. And any conversation with any stranger is super awkward. Like the first time you talk to someone, you say, hey, uh, is your first time here? Yeah. Cool, cool. Um, what school do you go to? I go to Taft. Awesome, yeah. I have a cousin that goes to Taft. Okay, um, you have Snapchat or like a, no? Oh, all right, okay. And in your head, you're like, oh, God, somebody please come and talk to this person. Because this is, oh, have you met Judd? Judd, hey, come here real quick. Let me introduce you to, um, yeah, what's your name? Yeah, let me introduce you real quick. Why is it so awkward? I don't know this person. This is so weird. But when you know somebody really, really well, you don't even have to talk to communicate. You know what I mean? When you know somebody really well, you can be on the other side of the room and just be like. And they're looking at you like. like yeah. You know what I'm talking about? You see them on the other side like, hey. Nine times out of ten, you know what that means. It's like, hey, you saw who walked in? It's like, oh, snap. What are you doing? Man, we don't even got to talk. We are on the same page. Why? Because we've had that conversation privately a bunch. When you have the conversation privately, you don't even have to be verbal when it comes to the public conversation. So there are times where God could just give you a look, be like, hey. And you're like, oh, now? All right, God. But sometimes we miss the public cues because we never had the private conversation. When you pray, don't be like hypocrites. Don't try to do it for showing off. Grow in it privately. I love, you know, my bulls are hot right now, and they're killing it. And DeMar DeRozan, who I think has got an MVP year coming, one of his last games, he missed a good amount of free throws during the game. So after the game, he stuck around in the United Center, and he threw up 225 free throws. Stadium's empty. But he gets good in public because he practices in private. Your relationship with God grows when it's done privately. When you learn to spend time in intimacy with the Lord and not be in a rush 
and shut that time off and say, God, this is my time to just be with you and you to be with me, you will be amazed at how much you grow in your understanding of who God is and what he wants for your life. And as a result of that private prayer and of that time alone with God and that communication and patience that you've developed, you begin to gain power from prayer. If you're taking notes, that's the third thing. Because we receive power when we pray. As God directs you, he will strengthen you to do what he's called you to do. So it's not always even just praying for power. It's just a result of prayer. You are empowered by the Holy Spirit in, in, in confidence, in your walk, in your ability to do the things God called you to do, and the honing of your ear, being in tune with what God is asking of you. So let's go on with the story of Daniel, right? Going on in chapter 10, verse 17, he, he's had this encounter with this incredible, powerful angel, right, whose voice is booming like he's talking with a microphone, whose arms are literally shining like bronze. I mean, this is a, an intense figure, and I'm sure Daniel is looking at this angel and being horribly intimidated. And listen to what he says. How can someone like me, your servant, talk to you, my Lord? You ever had that where you just don't feel good enough? where you don't feel adequate enough, where you're beating yourself up and you're just constantly saying, I'm nothing, I'm nobody. Sometimes we're our own worst enemy when it comes to that. Especially when you see something more equipped, something that looks like what you wish you looked like. So Daniel is seeing this angel and he's going, how am I gonna talk to someone like you? He says, my strength is gone and I can hardly breathe. Then the one who looked like a man touched me again and I felt my strength returning. Don't be afraid, he said, for you are very precious to God. Peace, be encouraged, be strong. Wow, I love that. Let me pause there for a moment. Some of us are, are really hoping for peace, strength, and the ability to move forward. Peace, strength, and the ability to do what God called us to do to be encouraged, to be strong, and to be at peace. Where does that come from? It comes from knowing that you're precious to God. You're precious to God. And when you understand that, you grow in your strength, you grow in your peace, and you grow in your purpose. As he spoke these words to me, I suddenly felt stronger. Listen, some of you, some of the battles we go through are physical, some of them are psychological, but so much of it is spiritual. And if you can learn to be strengthened and encouraged by the word of the Lord, by his voice and his spirit speaking to your spirit in that private time of prayer, I can't tell you how many times I was afraid, I was discouraged, I was sad, I was hurting, and I spent time privately in my prayer, and the Lord just began to build me up and strengthen me. Literally, there was one time many years ago where I was struggling and, and doubting if I should even continue to be a pastor because I didn't feel like I was being effective. I didn't feel like I was good enough. And uh, I remember I came to church when nobody was in the building. I have obviously keys. And I came by myself and I kneeled at this altar and I just wept. Like when I got up, there was just a giant wet spot on the carpet. And I just wept before the Lord. I just, I just needed to let it out. And I'll get to that in a moment. I didn't leave here the way I walked in here. I left here strengthened. I left here at peace. I left here encouraged. Why? Because I let the Lord speak to me after I spoke to him. And suddenly I felt stronger and I said to him, please speak to me, my Lord, for you have strengthened me. 
if you want to feel the strength of the Lord, let him talk to you. You ever have somebody just say the right words at the right time and you just lift up and you're like, man, I needed to hear that. Do you realize you can have that every day if you learn to have a private conversation with God? Because no one knows you the way God knows you. Nobody knows what's going on the way God knows what's going on. And so if you learn to have that time alone with the Lord, then you'll be strengthened. And listen, even Jesus had to do that. Okay, listen, the Bible says in Luke chapter 22, verse 42 through 44, this is when Jesus is about to be crucified. He knows what's coming. He knows he's going to be captured, beaten, torn apart, killed on a cross. He understands everything that's going to happen. And he's having this moment because he was 100% God, but also 100% man, where he's not wanting to do it. And it says, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. So he's being transparent. He's being honest, which is the only place you can really be like that is in prayer, where there's not going to be any judgment, where no one's going to throw it in your face, where people aren't going to hold it against you. There's this moment of transparency where Jesus is talking to God, and he says, God, I'm scared. I don't, I don't want to do this, but I want what you want more than I want what I want. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him, and he prayed more fervently. And as he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. He was strengthened through his prayer so that he could pray more. And then in verse 45, it says, At last he stood up again and returned to the disciples, only to find them asleep, exhausted from grief. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not give into temptation. So both of these people, or at least these groups of people, Jesus and his disciples, are grieving they're hurting. One prays, the others fall asleep. Too many of us are falling asleep when God is asking us to pray. And we wake up full of grief when Jesus got up full of strength. Worship team, if you can help me out. I understand that all of us go through things and that all of us struggle with stuff. And I respect that and I get that. But some of us do it unnecessarily simply because we don't take the time to pray. I've used this example for people in the past, but I've always found it fascinating. Anybody know what a water boiler is? Just in the house, like that big tank some of you have? Okay. Uh, a lot of houses, especially in Chicago, they have these big tanks of water in the basement that's heated up, and it's called the boiler because it literally boils the water in the tank, and that's where your house gets its hot water from. So when these things got invented, basements all over the country had these massive water boilers. Now, if you're not letting out that water, if you're not using it, what ends up happening is as that water is boiling, it creates steam. And that steam started to build up in the boilers, and it would build up to the point where the boilers were literally exploding in people's basements. And giant shrapnels of metal are flying, and people were really getting hurt and in injured, <coughs> all because the pressure was too much in the boiler. And so what happened is uh, they started making a law that boilers had to be manufactured with built-in release valves. And what these release valves would do is when the boiler would reach a certain amount of pressure where it started to become a little bit dangerous, not to the point where it's blowing up, but it's starting to get to that point, this valve would open up and it would release steam. And it would do so just enough to depressurize the boiler so that it can keep running how it's supposed to be run. I'm saying that because I believe prayer is our spirit's emergency release valve. 
where you're, you're carrying this weight in your spirit and you're struggling and you're hurting. Some of it's because of what you're going through. Some of it's because of what people you love are going through. And you get all this building up and you feel a little bit of relief when you come to church and you lift your hands and worship and you hear an encouraging word. But then you go home and that pressure continues to build and, and you feel like you're going to explode. You feel like you're going to quit. You feel like you're going to hurt yourself or somebody else. And, and there's this moment where you're like, man, if it's the slightest thing, it's going to make me just blow up. And I'm trying to tell you that if you can learn to pray patiently, privately, and powerfully, to take those things to the Lord and release the pressure in front of him. Because I get it. A lot of us, well, I don't have anybody to talk to. I don't have anybody that cares. That's a lie. Because you have the Lord to speak to and the Lord cares. Well, I I need somebody right here. He's right here. You just need to have enough faith to do it. And if you need it, God will supply all the other things you might need. If you need people to have community with, that's why we're here. That's why we do small groups. That's why we come together. That's why you have leaders and a pastor. God has provided those people in your life. But none of us could ever substitute that private conversation that you're having with God. That moment where you're open and transparent and you're honest and you say everything that you can't say in person to anybody else and you're completely transparent and you say, God, I need you. And you just begin to pour it out before the Lord. That's why Philippians chapter 4 reminds us to not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. If it's enough to worry about, it's enough to pray about. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you'll experience God's peace. Notice, then means after, not before. You won't get God's peace until you go to God in prayer and tell him what's going on and show some gratitude for what's already happening. When you have that time in prayer, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. That's those moments where people are looking at you going, how can you be so chill about everything that's going on in your life? Like, don't you care? Aren't you worried about it? And you're like, listen, I care and I've worried, but I've given that to God. I've released that pressure and I've let go and I let God and and God's carrying that weight now. So, So yeah, it doesn't make sense to everybody else why I could be so peaceful and I don't even understand it, but it's the peace of God. It's not my peace. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Think about where the greatest battlefields of your teenage lives are. It's in your heart and it's in your head where the greatest amount of stress lies in your heart and in your head, where your greatest anguish and grief and frustration lie in your heart and in your head. You want God to be able to guard that? You want God to protect that? You gotta take it to God in prayer. And when you do that, "Eh, but my parents are still fighting all the time, you'll have peace that doesn't make sense. Yeah, but I'm still struggling. You'll have peace that doesn't make sense. But that doesn't bring my loved one back who died from this and and is hurting from that. I know it won't, but you will have peace. That doesn't make sense. It's about being able to move forward in the things God's called you to do. And I don't know about you, but I need my heart and my mind guarded, not just from other people, but from me. Because it's when I get caught in my head and I get caught up in my heart that I start beating myself up. And when I learn to be transparent and open and just say, God, here it is, then I allow God to give me the peace that surpasses all understanding and to guard me as I live in Christ Jesus.
So here's how we're going to close. I'm going to ask, I don't know if the admins can hear me back there, but I'm going to ask them if they can start helping me out. Gio, maybe you can run back there real quick. I got some index cards and some pens I want to pass out real quick. And this is just for you, so don't be afraid of what you're about to write down. No one else is going to look at this. This is just for you. But a lot of times I hear people say, well, I don't know what to pray about, and I'm not sure what I need to say. And when I get in that moment, especially if you're new to prayer, it can feel a little awkward. What I've learned is if you actually took the time to write down things you need to pray about or people you need to pray about, you really don't have time in a day to go through your whole list. And so I'm not going to ask you to sit down and write down everything, but here's what I am asking. I want you to pray for me in a moment. Actually, why don't you guys just uh, come over here and bring it up to this altar. You can bring it, just leave it on the two speakers. I'm going to ask everybody else to stand up while I give you instructions and then I'll give you a moment. In a moment, I'm going to invite you up here just to grab a pen and, and an index card, and then you can find a place across this altar somewhere in this front. Just kind of sit down if you want or stand and, and write these things down. Here's what I'm looking for you to write, because I think all of us have this. I want you to write three to five things. Three to five things that we need to start praying over. And I'd like to challenge you over the next three weeks to pray for them every day. And I need you to be specific, right? Don't write down, pray for my mom. Pray what for your mom? My mom has cancer and I wanna ask God to bring healing to it and to remove the cancer, specific. My, you know, I'm struggling with depression and I want Christ to take that off my shoulders and to give me peace, be specific. Be as detailed as you possibly can because you're the only one who's going to read this. I'm not asking you to turn it in or hand it off to anybody. I need you to be specific about what you're asking God so that you can be specific when you ask God. So three to five things that are important to you that you're going to dedicate the next three weeks praying over. And then I want to challenge you to be faithful in that prayer time. So I'm going to ask you right where you're at, would you just come up, leaders, lead by example. Would you take an index card and grab a pen? And we got about, you know, five minutes or so. <clears throat> I want you to <clears throat> take a moment, write those three to five things, and then we'll close by praying over them. And while you're writing that, I'm just going to ask that you don't talk. Worship team is just going to continue to play softly in the background. And listen, feel free to take your time to ask God. If you don't know specifically, you don't have to rush through this. But this is what you're going to dedicate the next three weeks. If I don't pray for anything else, I'm praying for this. I'm praying for this. This is what I'm focusing in on. For some, it's, you're, you're praying for a literal miracle. For others, you're, you're just praying that God would maybe strengthen you or encourage you. I don't know what it is. This is the beauty of it. It's unique to all of you. And if you're watching online, there's nothing stopping you from doing the same thing. So you might be watching this six months, a year from now. But wherever you're at, the word that I just spoke is still true on the day that you're watching this. And so you, right where you're at, take some pen and paper, grab your cell phone, write three to five things that you want to dedicate the next three weeks to pray over, and then do it. I thank you that we have this access to you, Lord. We don't have to burn a sacrifice. We don't have to have somebody else come and 
and intercede on our behalf because Jesus, you already interceded on our behalf. You created a way for us to be able to come to you and as your word says, to bring any request before you and to know that you hear us. God, we don't deserve to be heard by you. We don't deserve to be heard, let alone answered. But God, we're so grateful and humbled that you care about us enough that you want to hear us and you want to answer us. And God, I pray even now that we would have our hearts prepared and ready, God, to receive any answer. Because sometimes the answer to those prayers is no. Sometimes you're going to ask us to wait. Sometimes it may not come in the form that we thought it should come or, or what we wanted to. But God, just like Jesus said in the garden, not our will, but we want your will to be done. So Father, we pray, even in the midst of this next three weeks, as we begin to pray, would you help us to align with your will, God? Would you help us, God? Because we're not just asking you for stuff. We're not just asking you to do something for us. We're asking you to change something in us, God, to get us closer to you and allow us to see things in the way you see them. And so, Lord, we accept and receive whatever it is that you would have for us. But, Lord, we ask, help us to be patient in our prayer, to pray until something happens, to not give up because it didn't happen in the first week or even in the third week. God, if it doesn't happen in the next three weeks, we'll just keep praying, Lord. Father, I pray that you help us to, to take that time to have private prayer, whether it's in the, the, the washroom or our bedroom, God, whether it's on our way to school or, or, or somewhere where we can get alone. God, I pray that we would take that time and we wouldn't limit it to five minutes of asking for stuff, but we would abide in your presence. We would just allow ourselves to linger in your spirit and take time to even hear back from you, God. And Lord, we're so grateful from the power that comes from prayer because we know that we can ask for anything in your name and if it's according to your will, you will do it. So Father, we ask that your will will be done, that you would do the miraculous, God. You would do the things that nobody else thinks could ever be possible. Lord, that you will remove anxiety and depression and suicidal thoughts when everybody else says it's just something you gotta manage with your life. God, it's something you can completely eradicate. God, we ask that you would move in a way, God, with those areas where we struggle with, with our addictions and, and the habits that we form. God, where we think this is just something I'm going to do the rest of my life, not according to your will, God. So, Father, we ask not just for partial answers, but for complete answers. And it's not for our own vanity or our own comfortability, but let it be all for the glory of your name. Father, we thank you for that, and we thank you for the many testimonies that we believe will come from the next three weeks of praying. Help us to be diligent. Help us to be consistent. Help us to be faithful. And help us to hear you, God, and not just have you hear us. We thank you for all of this. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone here said? Amen. Amen. Would you give God a hand clap of praise right where you're at? Hey, here's, here's the last thing I ask you. Uh, don't lose those cards. Put them somewhere where you look at it regularly. You know, obviously you want to keep it semi-private. I'm sure there's stuff you wrote down there that you don't want others to look at. But if you got to set a reminder in your phone to get that slip out, do what you got to do. If you got to put it in your phone, do what you got to do. But be consistent. No one's going to check up on you, but this is between you and God. So I want to make sure that you're being as consistent as you possibly can. And if you can add just two more things to your prayer list, pray for your leaders, your pastor and the leaders in this room. 
you just always should cover them. You should always make sure that you have their back in prayer. And then also pray for the ministry that as this Omarion or whatever thing starts lifting up, we don't end up getting another guy in his band coming. And we just continue to see God open doors for us to continue to do what God called us to do. Man, I want to have a back to small group session. I want to have breakaway this year. I want to be able to do all the things that we used to do and do them better. But we need God's help with that. Amen. So be praying for the ministry and pray for your leadership. Uh, With that said, I love you guys. Hopefully we'll see you this Sunday. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.